Let's pray. Father, our God, as we look into your word, it is your word. We're convinced of that. We praise and thank you that you speak. You know, I think a lot of time we'd like to be the prophets as you speak into men's hearts, but you're still speaking. Uh, The bush is still burning as, as far as I'm concerned. And Spirit of God, you're given to illumine your word and to bring us to that place, make the changes in us that make us more like Jesus all the time. It's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. Acts chapter 14, it came to pass. What came to pass? Well, let's kind of back up a little bit. They're in uh, a place called Antioch. It's the second Antioch. This one's up in, uh, well, modern-day Turkey, okay? It's not Syria where they started. A few hundred miles from that. Um. So people are contradicting and they're reaching people and people are getting saved and others are uh, basically they're starting persecution. And we can see that in verse 50 of chapter 30, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. Okay, we know we were not wanted, so off they go. They shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they were persecuted. If this happens to you, you'll understand it. See, so people harass us, persecute us, and that's a good day? Yeah, Jesus said so. He said, blessed are you, blessed, makarios in the Greek, joyful, happy. Happy are you when people persecute you. Really? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> been there, done that. And some of you are like, what are you on about? Well, speak out for Jesus. Be bold, and you'll understand. You'll be persecuted, and you'll get the blessing that goes with that. They're filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Uh, many times I've punked out. I, I know this would never happen to you, but it happens to me once or twice, right? Sometimes I really felt like I should say something and, and didn't. Are you shocked? appalled maybe even uh, now you probably just like the rest of us you're saying and then uh, afterwards I'm like oh, I should have said something I know I should have said something I felt like I should have said something and I didn't say something you know what's that feeling rising up inside of me is that Satan no let's X him right off the list right away is that myself usually I'm not so concerned with other people that's not natural to me that's, not, that's something that God came and he, uh, the Holy Spirit of God shed abroad the love in my heart to others. That, that, that's, that's, that's a, scripture says that. If I'm concerned about others and not being selfish, that's the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God said, hey, talk to that person. And then I feel like, oh man, I blew it. And, I, and is there joy? No, there's like, ah, that moment, you know. So it came to pass, now, now we understand what came to pass. It came to pass in Iconium, they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. So they headquarter out, first thing, they go to the synagogue, that's their MO. We've seen that in the past. What happens? Belief. Jews and Gentiles alike, praise God. But the unbelieving Jews. The first persecution, I, I, I just got to say it, and people don't like it, it's... So sad, too bad. Scripture obviously says that the first persecution against the church was by the Jews. It, it just was. You know that. Who's the, who's the people who are most adamantly against you? More often than not, it's religious people. It, it, it just is. And we'll talk about that as we go. It's kind of some surprising things here in this chapter, the way I look at it. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Does that happen today still? Oh yeah, all the time. A, I, I, dare, I dare say somebody has, has made uh, people, their minds, evil affected against you and me. They've said ridiculous stories, they've quoted you out of context, they've lied about you outright, they've sign uh, you know and they, and they said things about your personhood your your how you are in life that had no basis in truth if you destroy the messenger you destroy the message that's politics in the 21st century in america 
you know, we just attack the messenger. He's a horrible, they are horrible, she's a ungodly, wicked, and then, you know, their, their politics goes away with them. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, so that happens all the time. What do you do? You keep pressing on. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony of the word of grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they said, okay, they're speaking against us. Good. If you don't like it, we're out of here. No, there's no, there's no persecution here yet. There's, there's just being spoken against. So it's like, okay, so now it's time to talk. It's time to share. It's time to step out, speaking boldly in the Lord, giving testimony unto the word of his grace. Word of his grace. I think that's what people hate the most. That's why there's persecution. If I give you another list of rules and stuff, people generally like that. Oh, you mean all I got to do is, you know, the seven steps, the, you know, keep away from the nasty nine, the dirty dozen. I give you a list of things not to do. You don't do it. Now you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm righteous. But I think the gospel of grace is a tough one to receive, isn't it? There's nothing you can do. What do you mean? There's nothing you can do to get saved. There's absolutely no amount of money, no check you can write out. There is no religious activity. There is no sin you can refrain from. There is nothing you can do to get saved. You can ex humbly accept the free gift of grace that God offers, or you can be on the outside looking in eternally. That's a tough sell, especially for religious people. Me, I was desperate enough. It, probably the same was true of you. Wait, what? A free gift? When you, when you sink and you go down for the third time, someone throws your life preserver. Most of us grab it, right? I was desperate enough to say, wow, okay. Free gift of God. I like that. But they're, they're sharing boldly their testimony, this word of grace, and God granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I wish I could make that happen all the time. God's sovereign, let God be sovereign. Um, but here, you know, how do I know these guys are true? The, these religious people over here, they've been around for a long time. They're telling me that they're not saying the real deal. They're, do, they're saying things that aren't so. And God shows up and starts doing signs and wonders. I think he tips the scale on one, one side. I mean, look at it. If you're really, uh, yeah, I wonder if they're really the real deal or not. They're saying this Jesus, he's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one that Old Testament talked about that way. And the ones who were like the guardians of the Old Testament, they're saying, hey, not so. Wait a second. And now God shows up and starts tipping the scales and there's healings and there's signs and wonders and there's, you know, people being delivered from Satan and all these kinds of things going on. Uh, I think that would be very helpful. Uh, and it is. And it has its... It has its It, it, it's effective. Is that what wins the day? No, we're going to see that not, not so much. If, if signs and wonders, uh, God would do that all the time if that's what it took. You know, even in the face of miracles, right? How many miracles did Jesus perform? I have an idea that in, in uh, time of Jesus, in, in and around Israel, Leprosy was going away. Blindness was going away. I mean, how many people did he touch? How many multitudes did he heal? How many, how many people's lives would change forever? And some of those people on what we call Good Friday either was, were healed by Jesus or knew somebody who was, who was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that an incredible thing? If, if miracles in and of themselves were enough, I think God would do it all the time. Um, you know, Jesus healed and people, uh, he, he delivered people from demon possession, oppression. Uh, and the, the religious leaders of the day said, yeah, he's doing that by the power of Beelzebub. They always have an explanation. They always have a, a saving device, as something so they don't have to come to grips with the truth. Well, God is gracious anyway, and he grants signs and wonders here. And I'm, not, and I, I'm just saying, I don't think God's done with signs and wonders. I hear a lot of things, and it seems like m many signs and wonders are being done in different places. But people have witnessed to the miraculous here. It just doesn't happen as much as we'd like it to. Why is that? Is, is God changed? No, I think we've had our day in the sun. I, I think, you know, for a large part, America's rejected God. 
Um, will God still do things? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the reason we're still here and we're not in heaven with the Lord because he still has a work to do here. That's, that's my thinking, you know. Revival or rapture. I don't see any other reasonable reasons to be here. But, uh, but I'm not in charge. Uh, and there's no su suggestion box in heaven. But there is prayer, okay? So this... Okay, but the multitude of the cities, they're divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. Uh, I would say the majority usually is um, with the unbelievers. Jesus said as much. So it's a narrow road that leads to life. It's a broad way that leads to destruction. Few, few on that narrow path. How few? I think it's less than 10% in America. They have these, like, polls that'll show you, you know, 60-something percent, 70-something percent. I knew this way back in the day. So we're in the, I'm in the Marine Corps, right, and I got born again, gloriously saved, right, just born again. And I'm talking with people and arguing with them, and they don't, I don't believe in any of that gospel nonsense. I don't believe in Jesus. And then, so we had this change, a big, big changing of the command ceremony, and we had to, like, you know, a lot of us had to get our... Uh, reissued dog tags because we've given them to our honeys and stuff like that so it has your service number which is social security number your name and it has your religion and my first one was rom cath and that's how they said it and i remember seeing it and so i give it to Sue's. but and then i was born again so um I, I i saw a lot of the guys in line getting there and they'd say a uh, christian or protestant or you weren't you the guy i was arguing with like 10 minutes ago and now all of a sudden you're a christian and I realized that Christian doesn't mean Christian to people. It's just the word means that I was born in America. My grandmother used to take me to church, you know, a couple times when I was six. Or I'm Christian. Wow. And you're sitting there blaspheming, telling me you don't believe in God or anything. And now on your dog tag says Christian. So I got mine to say born again. I remember the clerk, he's like, born again? That's not a religion. I said, it's my religion. <laughs> so I got dog tags to say, you know, they say born again on him. It's far as religion. I was in, in a hospital, a lady asked me my religious preference, because they, they may have to keep me overnight. And this is years ago, when I broke my back that time. I broke my back. It sounds really, I got a little hairline fracture on L7 or something. Anyway, building this wall, by the way, picking up those, story for another time. Anyway, so uh, she was going to take, you know, the intake, and she said, uh, so what's your religious preference? And I said, um, born again. And she goes, oh, I thought it was you, because you'd heard me on the radio, you know, and that would, that would push her into, anyway, story for another time. Anyway, so here we are, here we are, multiple divided. It's always divided, right? Part hell with the Jews, part with the apostles. And I think we're in that very, very small minority here in America now. And when there was assault made, uh, both of the Gentiles, uh, of the Gentiles and also of the Jews, with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. So they gang up together. Jews and Gentiles aren't generally partners. But the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And people who go against Christianity, it's funny, they make strange bedfellows. That's why we see the Muslims in together with like women's rights groups against Christianity. You'd say, what? Yeah, right? Uh, how, how, does, how does that work? Because they're both against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they team up. Uh, and others too. Here we go. And this is, this is how it works. So they're going to stone them. And they were aware of it and fled from Lystra and Derby, cities in uh, Lycaonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. So they beat feet. They get out of town. And there they preach the gospel. And there sat a certain man of Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Let me explain a few things. Impotent here means potent is power. Impotent means no power. He didn't have the strength to, to walk. He was a cripple. Cripple used to be an okay word. Now it's kind of fallen on hard times. I remember as early as the Reagan administration, James Watt saying that his cabinet, his crew, his cronies consisted of like, you know, he, he had this like equal opportunity. He said two women, something, a black man, and a cripple. And he got in a lot of trouble for saying cripple, because now the word is handicapped, okay? Um, 
King James knows nothing of political correctness. And I try to be sensitive. What do you want to be called? You want to be called, what is it? Is African-American? Yeah, okay. It used to be, you know, colored, and that wasn't a pejorative term. Uh, I try to stay away from pejoratives. I don't want to talk inflammatorily. Sometimes, though, hey, I'm not using pronouns, personal pronouns that don't, I don't care what you think of yourself. <laughs> Listen, when I was five, I knew that there were two genders. Now they tell me there's 18, okay? Uh, so they're not as smart as a five-year-old, at least this five-year-old. And I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not participating. I'm not trying to be hateful, you understand. I just, I just want you to understand. I'm not, you, you can do all that goofy stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to be goofy with you, okay? And, and it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a heart of hate. I think it's a heart of love. I mean, I really do. Anyway, he's handicapped, he's crippled, he's lame, however you want to say it. He can't walk. He's never walked from his mother's womb. He was born this way. He's never been stood up on his feet. He's never walked. Uh, and the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed. What does that look like? So Paul's preaching. And he notices this guy, and is he noticing this man has faith to be healed? What does that look like? Or does it saying that the man had the faith to be healed as he noticed Paul? I think it says the, the former, not the latter. I think Paul's saying, hey, this guy has the faith to be healed. What does that look like? I don't know. Sorry. I mean, I'll tell you if I knew. I'm not withholding anything. I just don't, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, so... Paul says with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And everyone knew him. Okay, it wasn't like, you know, hey, I'm showing everyone what a healer guy I am. So, you know, I go on this TV crusade and I'm up and, and these people supposedly have all these, you know, there's wheelchairs galore and everything. I just walk in and start pulling them up out of the wheelchair and stuff like that. None of them, they're all actors. None of them are real healings or anything. But I can, I can pretend. And on TV, how do you know? You don't know them. You don't know those people. And so a lot of things can happen on TV, and we can't really vet it, can we? Believe it or don't. And I'm not trying to get you to say either way. I'm just saying some things can be faked, and I've seen things faked. I don't ever want to fake anything, especially healing. That's, that's blasphemous, isn't it? Look at me. I'm powerful, awesome. And it kind of points to me in the end of the day. Uh, I like the fact that God heals. I don't want to be a healer guy. Uh, I mean, the gospel's the thing. And if God wants to heal people, great. I think he heals many of us from a lot of different things. You know, just sin, taking, running, taking over my whole life. God healed me from that. I praise his holy name. This man, had his, his, his walk was messed up. You remember uh, Mephibosheth a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night? The picture was a picture of a guy whose walk was messed up because of a fall. Say, really? Yeah. And that was kind of fun, wasn't it? Those of you who are here. See, I'm saying, we're, we're kind of, some people looking and saying, oh, I know what you're talking about because I was here. That was so cool. And some of you guys are like, what is he on about now? You've you got to come out. you got to, anyway. Stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. So they're saying it in a speech that Paul doesn't understand. Paul probably speaks Aramaic. He, probably, he certainly speaks Jewish. He probably speaks Greek. He was born in a Greek city. He probably speaks Latin. And who knows how many other languages. Lycaonia is an obscure di uh, dialect and he doesn't speak it. So they're saying this in a voice that, a uh, language that he doesn't understand. The gods have come down. First is opposition and now there's idolization. I think those are a couple of tests that the servant of God will face. Okay? You're going to face opposition, you, you servants of God. You say, yeah, I've been there, done that. It's a tough test to take, but everyone passes. Virtually, most everyone. What happens is they're in opposition. We call out to God. Lord, I, this is hard. This is tough. This is, they're laughing. They're mocking. And prayer, now you're in the victory place. God shows up. He heals. He, 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 he comforts. He encourages. Right? And then we're good. We're good. The other test you take is this one here. 
Someone calls you God. Now, in, there's idolization all over the Christian church in America. Okay, I, I see it clearly. I'm not going to name any names. Okay, I wouldn't do that. But it's clear enough to me, and it makes me want to puke. Why anyone would rather grab the glory than God is. And we have these cults of personality. So I get, I'm on, uh, you know, iTunes. Get uh, on favorites, religious, and then look at the top 100. And by the way, you're going to get to 60-something before you see a Calvary Chapel pastor. It used to be a lot more in the top 100. Now, um, I think it was 68 or 69, it was the other day when I was looking at it. It was uh, Greg Laurie, who's a fine, godly teacher. And right before him was, well, I'll just say it, Rob Bell. Say, Rob Bell, anyone know? God, you guys don't know this stuff. He wrote a book called Love Wins. In it, and he has this Rob Bell podcast. And in it, he maintains that in the end, nobody really goes to hell because love wins. Everyone goes to heaven. Is that a little bit of heresy? When you directly contradict God in the flesh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, when you directly contradict him, Guess which one of you was wrong? So he, he was the one ahead, and I just was laughing like, wow, Greg, you didn't even beat out this. Okay, Rob Bell. I'm just like, wow. And I, I look at the top, like, ten, and they're all, like, they're all positive confession guys. They're all, like, you know, more about motivational speakers than gospel preachers. And they have this huge following. It's always been that way. It's always been that way, as long as I can remember. You know, people surround themselves with teachers who scratch their ears and tell them what they want to say. And we love to have it so. And the prophet who says, hey, repent. Jerusalem's going to be sacked by the Babylonians. We throw them down in a well and persecute. It's just the way it is. So we have these tests. One is persecution. And it's, it's good for us. It, it leads to joy. And then there's another one, idolization. And I, I have said so many times, listen, I don't take a compliment well. I don't want people saying, when people call me an idiot, I like that better than when they tell me how wonderful I am. I, I'm so serious about that. Which, don't worry, because I don't have to hear that all the time. I know some people are grateful. So it's a thanks. I really, I really appreciate that. I understand where that comes from. Thank you. It's the word of God, and I'm just a delivery boy. It's like when you show up with the pizza that you ordered, and you get your pizza, and you're all happy, right? You, you, thank you, delivery boy. I, I get that. that. That's fine. That doesn't make me go all crazy. When people say things about me, and they say things about me that aren't quite true, that you know, they make more of me than I actually am, I don't like that. I, I don't. My flesh likes it, and that... I, I think if I accept that worship, that's a really bad place. Only God should be worshipped. Uh, ascribe glory to God. Thankfulness is okay. I, I, I can live with that. But people, they make too much. And I, and I think, oh, I, I want to hear that. I wanna. If people idolize me, they'll end up demonizing me later on. You say, well, how do you say that? It's right here. And I was surprised to find this, too. I was absolutely surprised to find this in the story. They called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. So they named him after the gods have come down, and here they are. They've done this mighty miracle, and we all witness it, and away we go. The priest of Jupiter, which was before this city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. You don't sacrifice garlands, but you sacrifice oxen. They were going to cut them up, put them on an altar, burn them up, have a barbecue, because these gods have come down. And so Paul and Barnabas say, finally, 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 somebody appreciates how godlike we are. No, not at all. They're Jewish men. They would not accept idolatry well. So here they are. When the apostles Paul, uh, Barnabas and Paul heard it, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you. Okay, so when they hear it, they come unglued. Tearing the clothes is a picture of outright Ah, uh, it's like tearing your heart. You can't reach in your chest and tear your heart, but you can tear your clothes. Clothes are important in this culture. They don't have like a closet full of them like you and me. So when they tear their clothes, it's actual, it's anguish of soul. It's like, 
no, I can't believe you're doing this. And so they tear their clothes, and they're, they're running, and they're, this is like, hey, job one, we've got to disenfranchise these people of this, that we're not gods. We cannot accept sacrifice. This is unacceptable. Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of you like, with like passions with you. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities. What are you doing? This stuff is fruitless. It's empty. It's vain. Vanity unto the living God. Stop doing this. This is a hard sell. Welcome to my life. The way you think of God isn't the way you should think of God. It's a hard sell. Everybody I know has, a, has invented a God. It's not like, you know, people don't just turn their back on God and say there's nothing, there's nobody. And there's Some do. They make me laugh. I mean, they make me laugh. I, who's that? I'm trying to think of his name. He's an Oxford professor. He was on that uh, movie Expelled, and he was asked to prove, you know, uh, why evolution is true. And he's so blanked. He's like, well, um, uh, uh, and I, was, I laughed. Uh, what's his name? Come on, you guys. What's that? No idea. Sorry. No idea. Hawkins. Hawkins. Thank you. So uh, uh, Hawkins is out there, you know, just trying to prove there is no God. How many of you guys believe in the Easter Bunny? Raise your hand. Can I see it? Hold it up nice and hot. You guys, you guys ever write a book, write an article, blog against the Easter Bunny? You guys go in April, you go down, the people are buying their little, uh, you know, peeps and their Cadbury eggs, and you go down there and jelly beans. Don't buy that. There's no Easter Bunny. And you, you're very strident, you're very in their face, and you're very trying to disenfranchise some of that, right? No, you could care less if anyone in, you, th you think if somebody did actually believe in the Easter Bunny, you would pity them more than anything else. Would you go on a talk show and try to debate it? Mm, probably not. So there's this guy whose purpose in life is to go around telling all of us Christians there is no purpose in life. That'll be funny on the way home. You'll get that. Are you, are you kidding me? And he's famously anti-God. But most people, when they turn away from Jesus Christ, they just reinvent the God in their own liking. God hates it. He calls it idolatry. You think I'm like you. You think I'm like this. You think I, I'm not. My ways are so far above you. And we, very often we think of him as an angry God who's always mad, always upset, and always trying to rain on our parade. The God that we've rejected never exists. He's a God of our own invention and then we turn our back on what we suppose he's like. Or he's this other God. This, the, so a lot of people make God like, like Rob Bell. Love wins. Sloppy agape. He just loves us and he slathers love on, And everything you're doing is fine and hunky-dory. And there's really no evil anyway. And, you know, it's all good. It's, whatever you find yourself doing is wonderful. Keep up the... That God doesn't exist. So we make a God... We invent one, and then we reject the true God. It happens all the time. Why are you doing these things? There's no, there's no Jupiter. There's no Mercurius. There's no, there's no, what are you going to sacrifice an oxen, and these non-entities are going to be pleased? And you can't be doing this. We're not them. And, and try to disenfranchise people of their made-up God, and you are going to run into a buzzsaw. But that's the way it always was. Here it is here. What makes you think it's going to be different now? No, yeah, you, you should turn from these vanities, and that's not a word, uh, you know, politically correct term for somebody's worship. Um, in America, you have freedom to worship, freedom of religion, right? In the first, uh, in, in the Bill of Rights, the very first article, okay? Freedom of worship. You can worship anything you want. That doesn't make it true. And that doesn't mean I don't have freedom of speech to say it isn't true. And you can have the right. You say, well, what makes you think you're right? Uh, I don't know. The Bible? The Word of God? I don't know. That's a good starting place, right? Uh, people say, well, I don't believe that. 
here's America, you have the right, but doesn't mean you're, the right doesn't mean you are right, doesn't mean you're correct. These people believe this stuff, and Paul's saying, ain't so. And he doesn't care about political correctness, he cares about heavenly correctness, and he's going to tell them the way it is. You've got to turn from this, it's fruitless, it doesn't mean anything. You've got to turn to God, which made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all things that are therein. So he starts on the tack that, first, God's a creator. Listen, in times past, he suffered, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. There was a time when God overlooked this, but that day's gone. Verse 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God blessed the just and the unjust. Does he cause it to rain on the just and the unjust? Yes. Does God bless non-believers? Yes, he always has. He always has. Every Christian nation is rain and crops and your cows calf and your goats kid and and non-christian nations they get nothing always it's always been that way right no no god hasn't hasn't he's not done that he hasn't left himself without a witness he he blesses everybody i was trying to talk to my son about this point and he i was talking about why his life was going sideways I said, it's, you know if you track back ever since you turned from god and he said, well, there's atheists who are very successful, and there are uh, atheists who are, uh, you know, uh, poor, and there's Christians who are poor, and there's atheists who are very successful, and vice versa. Yeah, I know. I, we all know that. God's good to everybody. But your situation is what I'm trying to tell him. And you know how God can bless one and leave another unblessed, but he likes to bless. If people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by blessing, God would like that. Because that's, that's how he, he's a loving Heavenly Father. He loves to bless. You know how sometimes you just can't, I can't have somebody like living with his girlfriend smoking dope in my house and giving them a place to stay. I can't bless them that way, right? I, I don't want to, to, you to think I'm okay with that. And so I would withhold blessing. Get out, and you and your girlfriend both hit the road. You know what I mean? Hypothetically, it's not happened in my house. Never happened, never would. Never did, never would. But you don't understand what I'm saying. If God could just bless and have people turn to him, he would. Because this is his heart. That's how he likes to do. He, he hasn't left himself without witness. And with these things, scarce uh, restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice them. It took them all this, and they were arguing heatedly, just to barely, you know, scarcely the people didn't sacrifice to them. So here it is. When they idolize you, when they find out this idol has feet of clay, they'll end up demonizing you. I don't want to be idolized because, one, I, I, I couldn't maintain that. Two, it's wrong on the face of it. And three, I know what's coming later on. People say to me, oh, you know, Adam, these, this, these, this, 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 this until I sacrifice your sacred cow, and then all of a sudden I'm a bum. I've been doing this for a while. I, you know what I mean? Oh, Adam, that's wonderful. The teaching was so good. And, so, and then I, talk, I touch the nerve and, hey, you ought to be giving. Where, where, who do you think you are talking about? You leave my pocketbook out of this. And all of a sudden I'm a bum, right? I just, I just went to the next verse. I don't write any of this stuff. I just tell you what the Bible says, right? And it, it, it's, it's, it's almost humorous. Uh, but they... they, they they didn't, they, they didn't sacrifice to him. And then there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. That's hundreds of miles away. These guys are persecuting. These are like vigilant persecutors. Incredible. It's, it's like Hawkins flying all over the world and all these talk shows writing books. I know it's fame and there's fortune involved in that as well. But he's tireless. Give the man his props. He is trying to wipe God off the map single-handedly. There's others as well. You know, uh, he, I think he's uh, one of the more famous of them. So there, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Having stoned Paul, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's a bum. He's just going all over the empire. He's causing trouble and stuff. One minute, he's a god. Next minute, let's stone him. Hey, people are fickle. People are fickle. Hosanna to the son of David, save now. The palm branches and the cloaks going down. There's 
big, yeah, Jesus, yay, Jesus mania. One Sunday in Jerusalem, inside the same, we'd call it Holy Week, four or five days later, crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be on us and on our children. If it's comfortably in the same April week, doesn't it? Because people are like that. People are like that. And I'm thinking some of those people who are screaming for his blood, was, did some of those people eat of the loaves and the fish? Were some of them healed by Jesus? They all were touched by his teaching. Incredible to me. Don't you be that way. I know people in the church love Jesus, singing songs, got this sparkle that their whole lives changed. Baptism, yes. And then one little disappointment comes and Jesus who? Thanks for nothing. Really? People are fickle. I, I, mean, I mean, they just are. Uh, every day, devote your, even before you get your feet on the floor, devote your day, your life to Jesus anew. Just breathe. I'm, I'm on board. I am way on board. Lord, where I'm not, change that. I want you to be like totally my whole day, my whole life, everything about you. I, I just, I just, Totally devote myself to you. Well, I'm not, uh, what, prone to wander? I think we all, all we like sheep have gone astray. And we're, keep me on fire. I don't want to have desert and dry times. I, you know, I, I just want to be all about you all the time. I don't want to be uh, here today, gone tomorrow. What is that? It was like, 1,500 a month, pastors leave ministry in America. It's a big number. What happens? <coughs> Disappointment. Probably number one. Uh, moral failure is a big one. Boy, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. This is a moral failure. Oh, we're talking about uh, Bathsheba Wednesday night, and we'll continue our study uh, this Wednesday coming up. Everybody should be. <laughs> if that's what I said, everybody needs that message. Everyone needs to be there. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, so they draw him out of the city. They stoned him, and they supposed they'd been dead. Now, I just a curious thing, and I just want to talk about it briefly. This isn't the whole message today, but just if you're in Second, uh, you put your finger there in Second Corinthians. Um, Chapter 11, remember he brags and he talks about the, all the times he was beaten, in prison, shipwrecks, and he mentions stoned, and that was right here, right then. In chapter 12, he says something that's kind of curious. It's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, which, by the way, is probably about this time, near as anyone can tell, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such in one caught up to the third heaven. Third heaven, heaven of heavens. See, heaven, like we would say, the atmosphere. Heavens, the space. Third heaven, place where God is, okay? He's, he's not saying I, went, I, was, I was taken aboard a UFO and taken to, no. He's saying I was in heaven of heavens, the, the place you know where God is. I was there. And obviously, this is autobiographical. I mean, everyone seems to think so, and I seem to think so as well. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. He was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. It's not against the law. Is there a scripture that says, if you go to heaven, you can't say what it's... No, he's saying it would be a crime for me to try to tell you. It was so beyond anything I could describe. So I think this is what he's saying here. Is he talking about himself? I, obviously so. Is it this time when he's stoned? I don't know. I don't know another time when Paul was almost dead or dead. Here, the thought is, and back to Acts, so they stone him, supposing he had been dead. Why? Because I think he was dead. How long? I don't know. Besides, you know, if you're briefly, quickly dead, Time doesn't happen there like it happens here. Once you're there, you're outside of time, right? And I've known people who have claimed this. You know, Chuck Missler, uh, one of my just mentors, at the end of his life, he had a, a heaven time. I don't know how else to call it, because he didn't know how to call it. Uh, after his wife had passed, he had a heavenly experience. I, I don't know anything more to say than that. 
Uh, and it was very interesting to me, and I thought his testimony, if, if anyone's testimony is unimpeachable to me, Chuck Missler's is, okay? He gets a hall pass. If he said it happened, I'm sure in my own thinking that it happened. Uh, so God does this. I mean, I've heard, I've heard of it before. Has it happened to me? No. No. Uh, so howbeit the disciples stood round about him. Doing what? Getting ready to bury him? Praying, no doubt. And he rose up. Is that resurrection or is that just standing up? Don't really know. It's not, it's not crystal clear. It's not so crisp we can put all our weight on it and say, oh no, this is a resurrection from the dead. Uh, so they supposed he was dead. Maybe he was. And maybe he rose from the dead. Or maybe he just got up. Your, your call, okay? Doesn't make your heretic either way. Just kind of interesting to me. Uh, he rose up and he came into the city. Now that's a little bit cray-cray, okay? They just try to kill me. I don't threaten me with a good time. I'm going back down. Tell them what. And, you know, so he goes back into the city where they just try to stone him. I, I, listen, Paul's one of my heroes. Manly man. Absolutely fearless. Uh, he's one of my heroes for good reason. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel of that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they're going back, tracing their steps. What are they doing? Oh, confirming the church, just making sure everything's still going good, no doubt, checking up on the brothers, see how it's going, and, uh, and teaching them and bringing them along, uh, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must do much tribulation entering into the kingdom of God. Paul's saying, I know about that. <laughs> I'm going to show you some of the scars. I mean, it's... it's it's crazy. Uh, here, we don't know much of that. I mean, we can study about it, read about it in Scripture. I don't know anyone who's stoned. Uh, I know plenty of people stoned in a, that other way, but people beaten to death with rocks? I don't know anyone. Not in America. Is it coming to open season on Christians in America? Is that the zeitgeist that you sense? Because I sure do. Um, I thought that the last election would slow it down. It seemed to have, for a very short time, and I don't think... I think that time is at an end. Just from what I'm reading, from what I'm, you can't, there's no, you can't, any minority cannot be picked on here in America, except Christians, open season. And if you're a white male and a Christian, <laughs> good luck to you. I mean, and I know what it's like. I mean, you know, that's how it is. Um, People say things against the church of Jesus Christ that they would never, ever say against Islam or against Buddhists or any other group. Open season on Christianity. Will it come to physical persecution? Well, stay tuned. I think so. I think so. First, there's, there's words and stuff like that. We have, you know, I think it would be now. There's this one problem. We have a constitution. We have a First Amendment. So they can't, it, they can't run roughshod over that. They're, they're nibbling at the fringes of it pretty hard. We'll see how it plays out. Um, so they, they're confirming the souls or exhorting them. Uh, and, and they tell them that through much tribulation, that's how it goes, we enter the kingdom of God. So you get saved because of, they put the heat on you and they put the heat on you until you boil off all the impurities and then you're saved? No. No, it's just what's on par. It's, just, it's, 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 it's part of the course. It's not, these aren't, persecution is an elective. You know, some things is true of all of us. Okay, the only way we're not persecuted is just to, we never open our mouths and ever share with anyone that we're a Christian. And even then, the pressure's on you to agree with everything they're saying, to, to march to the same drummer, to, to, to buy into the party line. They just do, and no, ours is a is a is a it's a it's a tribulation way. And when they had ordained them elders in every city and had prayed with fast, and they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. And I want to talk about briefly about this. So they made elders. How long are these guys saved? Not very long. It's just a question of need. So they put elders. You know, like you know, I mean, you know, some guys saved here a few weeks, and they seem to know something. Hey, making you an elder. It almost looks that way, doesn't it? Um, I won't tell you about elder. It doesn't mean like because you've been saved like 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Um, we had 
back in the day when we first started, okay, Matt, he wasn't even 18 years old. He was an elder. We went to the East Coast Pastors Conference, and, you know, during the day when Calvary Chapel started up, there was a lot of elders under 18 years old. There were pastors of churches who were like 20, 21 years old, and maybe even younger than that. It was quite a youth movement, uh, and people were kind of like promoted like <laughs> because of the necessity a lot of times. I don't think we did that with Matt. I think he was an elder, and he was an elder. Uh, I think he had the qualifications. I don't care about age. So we, I went to East Coast Pastor Company. I said, how many of you guys have elders in your church who are under like 21? Because they had a breakout section, just the pastors. And so I went and looked around, and I got the only hand in the room up. But I'm always, always the exception, weird, in a weird way. Um, we, we, listen, um, I, I myself was an elder. I think I was in my late 20s. Maybe I was 30, and I asked to be an elder. But before that, like, people come to me with, you know, questions and prayer requests and stuff like that. And they kind of treat me like an elder. I think that's how it happens a lot. I think God makes you an elder, and we just kind of see it and agree with God. And... I think that's how it goes. Um, but here, it's like, you know, you're doing what, it's, what, the, what the job requires, and they ordain them elders in every church. Well, you've got to be saved, like, a minimum of 20 years or 10 years or 5 years. I don't think any of that. I don't see that here. Got to be on fire for the Lord. When the church gets together, they're, they're, they're ministering to the church, and, 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 and there's prayer involved, and there's fasting. And they commended it to, them, to the Lord. All right, Lord, you know, obviously you're doing a work here, and, you know, prayer happened, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. After they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down t- into Italia and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been com- recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So they went full circle and went back to Antioch in Syria. They go into these different cities, preaching the gospel everywhere they go. New venue, new day, new town. Hey, let's, I got a great idea. Let's share the gospel with them. And they, this is what they're doing. And then they go back to Antioch, and they've gone full circle. This is the Antioch uh, of uh, Syria. How do you know that? From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work they fulfilled. And they're fulfilling. That's the key thing. What's God called you to do? Do it. Fulfill. Find out what it is. And then just be like insane, single-minded, just don't let anything stand in your way between. And God will give us the, the, the strength after he gives us the desire. He just, he just does. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. And they would come, they gathered the church together, and they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he'd opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode a long time with the disciples. Last point. So they come back, and what do they do? They testify. Hey, listen, this is what God's done. I, if there's a fall of Calvary Chapel, it's that. We don't really give people an opportunity to testify. Hey, what's God doing in your life? He can be doing some exciting things unless we're on Facebook with you and you're Facebooking it, none of us know. Unless we have that conversation with you and we're asking, none of us know. Uh, Calvary Chapel is kind of like, you know, it's worship and the word and steady diet of that mostly. I think those are the two things, the most two necessary things. Is prayer not necessary? Yeah, we have prayer Sunday night. Tonight, no, we're going to forego that. We're going to have the kids program. We're going to have our uh, Christmas Eve service. But I think prayers are like really an important thing. As, should there be time given to prophecy? Should we allow people to, you know, hey, is God speaking to your heart? Is this something that you have to share with us? Is it a testimony? And I was thinking like, you know, after reading this, like that should be part of the, hey, you know, God's been doing this incredible thing in my life. Oh, nobody knows it, though, because I don't have an opportunity to say it. Okay, one, your, your, your bestie knows it. You sat with tea, over tea and you had a conversation. They told you. It's great. You know, I, I like to hear what God's doing in lives as well, though. So I think that's like one of the things because of this passage here. They went and God did us all, all this amazing thing. Well, the ch- church in Antioch, they sent them out like, hey, go win the world for Jesus, and they come back. Hey, how's it going, guys? Oh, great. And they go on to the next thing. No, they sit and they rehearse. Hey, God's been doing this. You should have saw when we were at, yeah, they th- we thought he was dead, man, and, they, and all that stuff. And like, has God been awesome? Has God been awesome in your life? Who knows about it? And if that's my fault, I'll accept it. But we ought to be telling. We ought to be, hey, this is, I started out t- telling you, I don't want anyone idolize me. Why? 
It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. I dropped out of a heart attack. Somebody else will be here next week, and the, the work will go on. It's not about me. It never was. It never will be. And I don't want to be like wrestling o- over the glory with God. It's all about God. It's all about his awesomeness. It's all about, and we has, should have opportunity to share that. We should be able to always, on our lips, say, what's God doing in your life? And if I say this, so I was at a friend's house a couple of years ago, and it was New Year's, and he says, so what's God doing in your church? And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. And I blanked. Swinging a mess. Is God doing stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he always is. That's what God does. He blesses. He's a, he's a good, he's a gracious God. And we should be, I'm kind of cynical too often. I think of the negative. I think of the thing that isn't and that we desire. And I, I look at the, you know, if you have a white wall and one spot on it, I'm focused on that one spot. That's who I am. I'm sorry. I just. And God's doing amazing, marvelous things in our lives. And we should focus on the blessings. We should give him glory. We should, with purpose, praise him for the awesome God that he is. Let's stand as prayer. Our uh, musicians are going to come and send us out of here in song. Let's pray. Lord, uh, uh, the thing that we want to take away, we just want ever know how awesome, how good you are. You cause it to rain on the just and the unjust. You haven't left yourself without a witness. Even when we were rebelling against you, you were good to us. That's how good you are. Lord, we thank and praise you for this great salvation that's ours in Christ. You've changed our everything, our eternity. You've made us part of your forever family. You've made us new creations in Christ. You've, you've, you've taken us out of the miry clay. You set our feet on a rock. And you've given a song of, of, of praise, put a song of praise in our, in our mouth. And Lord, we would pour it out. We would pour out praise to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.